Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast episode 129 on what is here anyway, a ridiculously bright and sunny evening, or as I call it, evil yellow light. Mike? Good evening, everybody. Thanks, Alan, for jumping straight in. Yeah, it's been a lovely day, hasn't it? Warmest day of the year, and the ladies uh, are all doled up as I was driving home. Nearly crashed my car a few times. <laughs> Sorry, I'm listening to Dreaming Void Trilogy by Peter F. Hamilton. Finally coming to the end of that 60-odd-hour uh, audiobook. And you haven't finished it yet. Good girls, come on. I'm walking into Walk the Past two weeks. I don't get my little 20 minutes, half an hour of listen every day. You've got an MP3 player, haven't you? Yes, but I consider in my small little town where I'm a nodding acquaintance with about half the population of it, I consider it rude to walk around with headphones on. I actually say hello to people and I pass them on the street and most of them say hello back. <laughs> How quaint. It's what I like about small town life. <laughs> yes, everybody knows everybody. Well, not so well that they know me by name or that they know everything I'm doing. That would be Little Village and that's a little too, you know, local shop for local people for me. <laughs> Did you ever read 2000 AD Grown Up? Not really, no. Did a thing called Future Shocks where it was sort of, you know, just a five or six page one-off story and this thing had a, like, we guarantee you had a famous ancestor. And, like, if they couldn't find you a famous ancestor, they'd transfer 10 billion credits into your account. And they really can't find everyone's been sort of low-level functionaries or slaves or whatever. And they eventually go right back to a caveman and discover this guy was the first victim of the first weapon. Oh, right. You see, we will find you a famous ancestor. I think Douglas Adams touched on that with Mr. Prost in the openings to Hitchhiker's Guide. Direct male line descendant of Genghis Khan. Oh, yes. <laughs> so Just as vicious, but in the slightly more... Bureaucratic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My favourite Prost line. Do you know how much damage this bulldozer would suffer if it rolled over you? No? Why? Hardly any at all. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-Fi Entertainment News and Commentary. I am Locutus of Borg. Star Trek Episode Analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. Yes, I'm currently redevouring the Dresden file books. Oh, yeah. What, from Stormfront right through? From Stormfront, yeah, because I never read book 10. Uh, what was that? Changes. Oh, I forget. I read the prequel and the two other short stories that were included in the uh, collection that I obtained. Yeah. 
So weird to be typing on the PC with that the E key works on. <laughs> Makes life a bit simpler. I found myself constructing verbal sentences which avoided overuse of the letter E. Yeah. Because I got so used to trying to come up with phrases which didn't use the E too much that I started to think that way. I'm assuming you're going to mention the movie in the uh, titles which share. Yep. Oh, how's this for confusing? I'd accidentally scratched the disc because I'd stuck it into the DVD player with another disc already in there. And unbeknownst to us, the first 20 minutes repeated three times. <laughs> so we we were <laughs> sort of looking for small changes. <laughs> nice. It's possible with that movie that you think, okay, maybe it's experiencing it again. Maybe this is the weird dub thing with it. Yeah, quite possible. You're going to leave that <laughs> in, aren't you? Uh, why not? Oh, God, I so misspelled listeners that the spelling options are sinisterness, bitterness, literalness, literariness, and lustiness. <laughs> Our Russian tweeter has done Star Trek Enterprise, Trip Tucker, Connor Trenier, number 75. Oh, bless. We did get a tweet in response to my tweet. I'm reading it now. Batterson said, but we're a dedicated few. I'm tempted to ask you to give feedback. <laughs> um, Thakau Shannon, how do you know her? I mean, she says she listens to Gatecast. I don't know anybody on Twitter personally. I don't know you personally. No, I mean, Shannon wasn't on Twitter. She sent me a Facebook friend request. Oh, Shannon Riddler. Yeah. She's in another group I'm part of. Uh, I was chatting with her. I was threatening to take in Toronto on my uh, trip and maybe give him New York a miss. Yeah. Or Ontario, rather. I'm trying to think. Is Memento on this disc? You found it, then. Yes, I found it, then. I need to dismantle my netbook and clean out underneath the keyboard. So I can fix my... E- I don't need to replace the keyboard. I think there's just dirt or something in there. And I have a can of compressor. Got about four. Yes, indeed. Contraya! Mm-hmm. Oh, the X-Zero 3. Lots of shots for uh, you to happily go all gooey over. I would if it was a pretty ship, but it isn't. I'm sure there are prettier ships. Are we good to go? I've been periodically stabbing at the space bar so the disc doesn't spin down. <laughs> right, might as well get going then. Ever three, ever do, ever hain. Clicky. Ooh, ship. Earth. Yep. Earth in that counts as the beauty shop. All right, everyone, on your toes. Major Gant report. A ship has just exited a hyperspace window off report bow, Colonel. Gould vessel, sir. Hot top class. Sound general quarters. Why is it so dark in there? That's better. But everyone's at a half in shadow. Shields at maximum. Load missile base one through four and charge the primary weapon system. Yes, sir. Well, you might have thought it was some sort of, like, submarine, you know, mm. operational lighting, but that seems a bit strange for a spacecraft. Yeah. God, that's annoying! Who are we to say it's wrong? Because this is really the first time we've seen the Air Force in control of what is, you could argue, a Navy vessel. Yeah. Yes, and if there's ever any damage, I'll do my best to control it. Right now, I want to talk to Ronson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Poor Jack, he feels left out. Yeah. Prepare to fire on my command. The weapons officer, you think he'd already be prepared. Indeed. You've got the feeling all the lighting for this ship was designed to look good on television but not be practical. Yeah. <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Can it wait until we're not in the middle of a drill? When are we not in the middle of a drill? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Meow. Okay. We'll talk about it later. Kill. Prepare to assist in damage control. I am prepared. See how melodramatic that sounds? It's unnecessary. This is a shakedown cruise, Jack. 
that's the whole point of a shakedown cruise, to drill the crew, making sure they get ready for it. Yeah, unfortunately with this show, drilling the crew may involve actually attacking the crew with, well, drills. <laughs> no time for Jack whatsoever. And then why should he? He's commander of the vessel, not Jack. Which means irrespective of his actual rank, he outranks Jack. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. I mean, they are both Air Force. I'm very surprised the Navy didn't get that one. That's the odd thing, isn't it? You thought it would have been a naval ship, because yeah. no matter how you look at it, it's a naval vessel. Okay then, Memento, Season 6, Episode 20, our 129th episode, directed by Peter DeLuise and written by Damien Kindler, who seems to be knocking the episodes out this season, taking over from, well, pretty much everybody else. <laughs> World premiere in the UK on February 21st, 2003, the US broadcast March the 7th, Australia, October the 2nd, and Canada, February the 7th, 2004. For God's sake. I know, terrible, isn't it? When I walked in accounts branch, I was literally down the corridor from salary section. And when I was walking 15 miles away, I used to get my check on a Thursday morning. When I was walking in accounts branch, 50 feet away, I got my check on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> I think that's an appropriate analogy. The episode shares its name with Accidentally on Purpose, Tales of Tomorrow, Travel Companions, and of course, the movie Memento. I also point out that the close-up of Jack on the monitor with the general mm-hmm. was Bill Nikolai, who we've seen as a technician in the gate room. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the ride, Colonel. Hammond out. Oh, John Novak. Is that John? Yeah, that's Colonel Ronson. Born in Venezuela. I'd guess spots in Sanctuary, Smallville, Collector, First Wave. Interesting, possibly because of the lighting, but the credits are showing up really well against the blue background. Yeah, nice and sharp, aren't they? Yeah, because I noticed that I never really noticed the name of the episode pop up, but there it did. Gun level one diagnostics and all weapon systems, including shields. Wing transport? Hit all of them. Also, set up a hull breach simulation for 0500. That's all. Yes, sir. Jack? Is this a redress lift from the SGC? More than likely. Got yourself a fine crew here, Ronson. Well, you got a pretty solid team yourself. Yeah, speaking of that, Jack. Yeah, the usual elevator trick. When they got into the elevator, you could see the, the wall in the background. Yeah. When they closed the elevator doors, the wall was literally lifted up to open up a whole new corridor. <laughs> a scene dressing. Yeah. But you're just along for the shakedown cruise. My crew needs to be able to count on me and on each other after you're gone. The whole set is designed with blast doors that can actually be lifted in and out. Seamlessly. Oh, he's not happy about that. We just dropped out of hyperspace. Carter Teal, meet me on the bridge. Why has Jack got his own radio? Jack shouldn't really have his own radio. Major? We were supposed to be in hyperspace for another 90 minutes, sir. I don't know what happened. You don't know what... Yeah, it's really not something you want to say to your commander unless you want to end up scrubbing out toilets. Commanders like answers. Yeah. <laughs> The only way that would happen is if the computer detected some instability in the quadrant powering the engines. He's right, sir. Diagnostics show a massive power surge in the hyperdrive. The failsafes kicked in and shut it down. The director, Mr. DeLuise, was joking that these space uniforms uh, don't require the wearer to actually have underwear on. Oh, okay. Never quite sure if Peter's joking or not. The hyperdrive was fitted with a buffer, like a surge protector. It was designed to modulate extreme fluctuations in the energy coming from the Nequadria. This shouldn't be happening. Yet it is happening. Yet it is. Something must have damaged the buffer. Sir, with your permission, I'd like to take a look. Yeah, me too. I believe that was Corrin's first line. 
Was it? No. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Not many left, Corin. Bit pathetic. This episode itself, while it was written by Damien Kindler, had some of its genesis in Brad Wright and Rob Cooper. Mm-hmm. Brad Wright wanted to do an episode with the Prometheus initial mission. Rob Cooper actually wanted to have a scene where they raise the gate. Mm-hmm. And Damien Kindler actually joked that his reason for doing this episode was getting paid. <laughs> but the hyperdrive engines are still intact and we still have the Nequadrius. So- yeah, but we have no way of regulating it. There's no way to calculate the distance we've traveled because of Nequadrius inherent instability. We could end up anywhere. This is Major Erin Grant, played by Ingrid Cavalars, Canadian actress. She's been in Lost Girl recently, B, Regenesis, and Jeremiah. Wait, any chance of Swedish origin? I imagine so. Fortunately, uh, I don't get to see Lost Girl or the Almighty Johnsons until Thursday. The boys have just got their black T-shirts on and mm-hmm. Sam's actually wearing a jacket. Carter? I'm afraid it doesn't look good, sir. Even if we were able to write a subroutine into the computer to bypass the buffer we'd still risk the reactor going critical. We'll use whatever you need to repair the buffer, cannibalize whatever systems you deem necessary. With all due respect, Colonel, I can't. Sir, I get the impression that John Novak has a stage background. His speech mannerisms remind me a lot of Michael O'Hare in season one of B5. An actor. Yes. <laughs> it's like a, a light bulb that's burned out. You can't just fix it. Do we have any extra bulbs? <laughs> <laughs> well, having a look at John Novak's resume, there's a lot of TV work there. Mm-hmm. Nothing really theatrical. Maybe he's just one of those actors that enunciates his words. We don't have the supplies. Not to mention the relativistic effects. That buffer has to be repaired. Actually, there may be another solution. I'm being smarters. According to the cartouche, there's a planet 0.38 light years from our current position. Oh, that's fortunate. <laughs> We've tried dialing it unsuccessfully in the past, but if it's on the cartouche, then there had to be a gate there at some point. Perhaps it may be buried. Yeah, that. that yeah. Perhaps it was locked out for a reason. Yes. You never really know until you go. And of course, mm-hmm. we always go. Yes. We're not supposed to do this, but let's do it anyway, yes. because following these plans has always gone so well in the past. Did I lay on the sarcasm a little thick there? So far, I'm enjoying this episode. This is fun and easy to comment on. Don't worry, it gets bogged down a bit later on. You're just saying that. But I don't see how we have much choice. Major Gant, plot a course for 744. That looks like the Earth with a brown bypass filter. It does a bit. <laughs> Good navigation, I'll give him that. 744, sir. Bang on. Any port in a storm, eh? Good work, people. And that's a navigator, Ray Galetti, another Canadian actor. If you get the chance, look at his name tag. Shut down power to the reactor. Controls will not respond, sir. The reaction is continuing uncontrolled. Jump must have triggered a power surge that overloaded the reactor control systems. Oh, dear. Sir, without the buffer, we have no way to stop the buildup. We have a few minutes before the Nequadri reactor goes critical. Stand by to jettison the reactor module. Yes, sir. I've seen this episode on Star Trek. Wait a minute. If I'm wrong about there being a Stargate on this planet, we're losing our only means of getting home. It would appear there is little choice. Bring shields and sublight engines online. We need to eject the core. You've seen this episode, haven't you? Uh, in, I believe, every single season of Star Trek. We either reject the core or we blow up. Reactor module separation on my mark. Three, two, one, mark. <laughs> You get the impression this guy is kind of death of glory, Commander? <laughs> Module jettison. Get us clear. Full military thrust. Sir. 
Oh, the Rasgard shield, so that's pretty good. Where's the shield bubble? It'll come on. Ooh, the flicker flicker. Boom. Obviously, they decided they couldn't warrant the CGI for the actual impact of <laughs> sphere on ship. You thought the drill alarm noise was an iron jacket. Yeah. Peter actually jokes. He's one of those directors that love his sparks and... <laughs> oh, dear. Oops. Damage report! The electromagnetic pulse penetrated the shield, sir. Primary computer systems are down. All we have is artificial gravity and life support on most decks. Yes, you don't want to lose the artificial gravity. No, because it makes it far too expensive to shoot. Yes, you're the most intelligent person on board ship. I'd like to assist if I may. Please do, Major. Colonel Ronson, I'm thinking our big dummy bogeys originate from the planet's surface. Did you see his name tag? No. Peter DeLuise. What? <laughs> his name tag is Peter DeLuise. That's not Peter, though. No, it's not Peter. Peter DeLuise was actually on the monitor with the general earlier in the episode. <laughs> well, this is not a very good day, is it? <laughs> oh, dear. Missiles are on an intercept force. Base of action, take us out of orbit. We can't maneuver, sir. All right. Arm weapons, we'll try to take them out. Weapons control is down, sir. How long before they hit? Three minutes. It's not enough time to get the systems back online, sir. Colonel, they only launched their missiles after we exploded our hyperdrive above their atmosphere. Could have very well looked like an attack. Thank you, but what actual use is that? <laughs> Because they're not stupid. <laughs> yes, well, obviously. The EM pulse that knocked out most of our computer systems could have had the same impact on their planet. Then how were they able to launch missiles? Well, ballistic missile sites on Earth are shielded for EMP. Let's talk to them. Two minutes to missile impact. Sir, I can broadcast on multiple frequencies. If they're listening, they'll pick it up. Do it. Don't they have a proper comms officer? This is Colonel Jack O'Neill of the United States Air Force vessel Prometheus. Can anyone hear me down there? The explosion that just happened in orbit over your planet was an accident. The resulting EM pulse damaged our ship and we are defenseless against your attack. Diplo diplomatic Dipl diplomacy from Jack. We've come a long way to meet you folks. So if there's anything you could do to, you know, stop those missiles... You'll never beat Star Trek if you ain't got a pretty comms officer. Yeah. Oh, Jack's pretty in his own way. I don't think he'd look good in a miniskirt, though. You never know. <laughs> True. Until he puts one on, we will never know. We're screwed. <laughs> if you destroy our ship, that's going to be very difficult. I don't know if that's a generic alarm, but that does sound an awful lot like the original TOS alarm. I assume it's just Navy. Mm. No, it's the we're screwed alarm. Close up. I do like the lighting, though. It is it is effective. It's very dramatic. Yeah, not a lot of CGI of the missiles, is there? Nope. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Now that's a big light bulb. Are we glad they didn't hit us? Missile self-destructed at 17,000 metres. The shields worked. The shields were down. The shields got blown out, didn't mm -hmm. This is Commander Calfas of the Degree Security Force. We will transmit landing coordinates. Out. Not exactly an engraved invitation, but... Oh, that's brief and to the point. Mm. I would prefer not landing until we have our shields and weapons back online. We should have systems back up within a few minutes, sir. Bit late now, isn't it? <laughs> now that we're no longer in imminent danger of death, I can fix it. And that scene reminds me of the scene when you saw a Voyager landing. you got to imagine the landing gear actually pops out, you know, the underside. 
the sheer size of the you talk to is Commander Kalfus. Name of the planet is Tegria. Kalfus, Tegria, got it. Sir, I've been scanning for Naquita traces with the ship's sensors in an effort to determine the location of the Stargate. So far, I've got nothing. Could the information on the cartouche be incorrect? Hasn't been wrong yet. If they don't accept our apology, finding the Stargate's going to be the least of our problems. You look on the back wall, that is an actual gold control panel. Basically just nicked it. And they're using rings? Yeah. Didn't build an interface, just nicked the whole panel. And we didn't bother with the CG effect for the old dear. Yes, balloons. So sort of Victorian slash Nazi. It does look a bit steampunky, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It looks very steampunky, and he looked. <laughs> yeah, cheerful, cheerful sir. Drop your weapons immediately. Howdy, fellas. <laughs> Colonel Jack O'Neill, United States. Several powerful weapons are aimed at both you and your ship. It's Air Force. Disarm yourselves, or you'll be fired upon. This is not negotiable. I believe he's being sincere in his threat, O'Neill. Well, I guess we have to start trusting them at some point. The uniforms the uh, men are wearing are East German camouflage, and their armour were taken from the episode The Other Side, mm. the Space Nazis. Yeah, so not a big stretch. He's gone with a sort of Michael Ironside kind of vibe, isn't he? Stern. That's a nice picky. Yeah, you'll see that more than once. <laughs> Before they hit our ship, thus saving our lives. There was something in your voice that I trusted. Ah, ah funky table that is. I know him. You do know him, Robert Foxworth. He's been in Enterprise, Babylon 5, DS9, Jeremiah, and 155 episodes of Falcon Crest. A soap opera I actually used to watch. Why? <laughs> well, I was about, I think, about 10 or something at the time. But that was my American soap opera, not Dallas or Dynasty, Falcon Crest. Yes, uh, my parents, I had to watch all three. Ooh. Didn't he play Soul Hunter in season one, episode three? I'm thinking. I think he did, you know. He's got a very distinctive voice, that's Robert. Well, I can remember he was supposed to be on Babylon 5, but he was doing a stint on DS9. Yeah. Uh, so his replacement character got killed in the back instead. Pat Alman commented on it in a book, Pleasure Thresholds. Which you really yeah. should pick up. Also worth noting that Robert Foxworth is also the voice of Ratchet in Transformers. I'm sorry, our Stargate? Kind of a ring thing. Comes with a dialer. You hit the symbols, it spins around, the lights come on, kind of flushes sideways. It looks like they're thinking crazy people. This. Wait a sketch, Karen. Once it's activated... It is able to transport you from one planet to another instantaneously. In this case, from Tigrea to our planet Earth. They seek the Ring of the Gods. If that's what you want to call it, Ring of the Gods is good. Please understand, this device you seek, the Stargate, I regret to tell you... It's a myth. There has never been a shred of evidence to prove its existence. Yes. Aliens from another world, and they believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> Tilt, grinning. <laughs> if you could grant us access to some of your historical data, we might be able to shed some light on the situation. No, no, no. Your freedom of movement is not negotiable. Once this meeting is over, you're to return to your vessel and stay there unless further instructed. In the meantime, I will have some basic historical data delivered to your ship. Mr. Chairman, if you do somehow succeed in proving the existence of this Stargate, we will be glad to help you locate it as an act of good faith. 
between our two worlds. Mm. This is Commander Kalfas, played by Miguel Fernandez. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done a lot recently, but he's been in Highlander, Poltergeist Legacy, Kung Fu, Relic Hunter. In that uniform, he looks like Jacob's evil twin. Yeah, I can see it, yeah. <laughs> okay, he's bottled and he's got a brown thing on, but <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch, I admit. But Kalfas, what if this ring does exist? Imagine, after all these centuries, finding a piece of our past. And what if our past was buried for a good reason? Travelers from another world are seeking our help. Unfortunately, I think the character is a little bit stereotypical. He hasn't got a goatee, though. True. Although you can understand where he's coming from. His role as commander of security, this is pretty much his job. He's evil. He doesn't have to look for a bright side to any equation. These are aliens that are in a powerful spaceship. You keep your guns pointed at them, you don't give them any information. I mean, the chairman Ashwin, Robert Foxworth, he's obviously coming from a slightly different angle. Well, that's a little weird. The ghouls are damn litter bugs. They usually leave a lot of crap behind. That is most often the case. This is a comprehensive history of the Grey. It's a joke. I know. There's nothing here dating back further than 300 years. Maybe a year is longer on this planet. Maybe, sir, but even so. Without an idea of where the Tegrians came from, we have no way of finding the Stargate. You'd have thought there might have been something in fairy tales or stories, at the very least. Or their entire past has been erased. I like the extra in the background. She's really pouring over that book, acting her little socks off. <laughs> I wouldn't mind getting her little socks off. Oh, come on, you fed me that one. We have dangerous balloons. Yeah. You invited them for dinner. I was thinking more of a brunch. To be honest, Colonel, we offered it in exchange for access to the Central Archive. A library pass for a tour of the ship. And when were you going to inform me of this arrangement? A little barbecue. <laughs> now? I like the fact that Sam actually talks his rank. But my first priority is the security of this ship and crew. Ronson, your ship and crew are going nowhere unless we find that gate. I just don't like the idea of giving a guided tour of Prometheus to the same people who've got gun batteries aimed at us. We'd do the same damn thing. Colonel Ronson, we need these people to get home. And we didn't exactly make a good first impression. Yes, would you prefer gun generators? We'll do this little barbecue of yours, but that's as far as I go. Do we have a barbecue? <laughs> oh look and the train's gone the other way I wonder if they just reversed the film <laughs> this is actually the redressed conference room now, there should be an alien in the corner looking up going shh <laughs> this is a library and on each of them uh, the ones inhabited by humans at least there's been some indication of their origins right I mean a temple some ruins uh... it is indeed a mystery Jones Quinn a Goa'uld would not bring this Munitari to a new world and not force him to build monuments in his honour well, I don't care how hard you try, you can't erase history. Something has to remain. The SG conference room? No, the conference room that they had their meeting with the chairman in. Oh, with the triangular not at all reminiscent of the Selkra table. Well, the guy half hiding behind the bookshelf? <laughs> <laughs> Till not so clever you thought you'd spotted him by yourself. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is the comic relief, I trust. And not very well, either. Most impressive. And you say, much of the technology incorporated into your vessel is of alien origin? Oh, the corridor scene. Yes. Round and round and round we go. Well, we stopped the director knows. It's another to fly it across the galaxy. We haven't quite gotten that part straightened out yet. 
We use a rare element called an aquadria to power our hyperdrive engines. But it can be extremely unstable. In fact, that instability ultimately led to the explosion above your planet. We had to eject the reactor. Well, why use such a dangerous substance to power your ship? I've asked the same question. <laughs> For the time being, the quadria is our shortcut to interstellar travel. More stable forms of energy simply don't provide enough power to run the hyperdrive. Several of my advisors have expressed concern that this is a military vessel. What would you have me say to them? That they're right. Prometheus was designed primarily for defensive purposes. From these ghouls you mentioned? Yes. Without your main source of power? With or without the Nequadria reactor, this ship is more than capable of defending itself against attack. May I introduce Colonel William Ronson, commander of the Prometheus? It is an honor. I assure you, Colonel, we would not attack without provocation. There are several gun batteries aimed at my ship, sir. Well, we must defend ourselves from any action you might take. For instance, should Chairman Ashman and I fail to appear at a specific time, my men have orders to fire those batteries. Then perhaps we had better continue the tour. Oh, two kindred souls here, isn't there? Please, Major Carter, after you. Thank you, sir. Sir. We actually end up exactly where they started, but just facing the other way. You've got to be actually impressed with the layout and the camera work. Mm-hmm. But once you know they're walking around in one big circle, you can't miss it. No, thank you for pointing it out. Got people behind the camera actually changing a few things to make the corridor look different. Random people wandering past. Yes. Another running joke with Peter DeLuise was that so many metal briefcases were being carried by the crew. <laughs> but then again, you think, you know, they're repairing the ship, so they would be going around with toolkits. Yes. My name is Tarek Salaman. I'm a professor of mathematics here at the university. Well, I'm Jonas Quinn. This is Tilk. If you're curious about us, you should just come over. With respect, Mr. Quinn, it is not you I was curious about. It is what you seek that interests me. Continue. I've heard that you seek evidence of the Ring of the Gods. I believe I can help you find it. Who kind of bears a certain resemblance to... It's not the same actor, is it? Uh, I don't know. Who are you thinking of? Martin. No. <laughs> Nothing like him. Also elements of Herman Zimmerman. The actor is Alex Deacon, Canadian actor. Mm-hmm. Worked on the X-Files, Reaper, Eureka, Sanctuary. He does remind me of Herman when he's not playing Quark. And imagine him sort of simpering. Thought they'd have a hostess trolley of some sort. It's of light years away. And frozen millions of years ago. <laughs> Peas. It's the best we have on board. So what meal did they decide to have? So what meal did they decide to have? We couldn't Looks have like mashed potatoes, peas and steak. Is it steak or is it burger? Salisbury steak. Gordon to Peter? Yes. Prior to our recorded history, our people endured a, a long and terrible dark age, one they desperately wished to forget. Thus, only after Tegria emerged from this black era did historians begin again to record events. But that means that you're missing thousands of years of your past. Yes. Aren't you... Curious? Yeah, he joked that there was a deleted scene in this episode where the Chinese takeout arrived half an hour too late, so they didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> we believe that what came before year zero has no intrinsic value to our society. There's many a country nowadays that has that idea on history. Don't worry about what happened then, let's just start recording history from now. We study our past to learn from it. Whereas we believe that nostalgia is a sign of weakness. Uh, you can't truly remove everything. No. 
lurks in the background. There are verbal histories. No government can control everything he said, not mentioning hedge schools. Oh, these two guys get on famously. <laughs> Just lock them in a room together. Yeah, one will come out. Calfer saying, you know, nostalgia is a weakness. It can't be really, because if you're arguing over, oh, something a hundred years ago isn't relevant, then something you learnt last week isn't relevant either. Was the food tested extensively to make sure it doesn't poison them? <laughs> well, I suppose originally they came from Earth, so... Mm. Microbes? They don't exist in the Stargate franchise. Except when they have to for plot reasons. True. The meal was interesting. Glad you liked it. He didn't say that. Well, I did. Thank you. Yeah, you know, now that we've gotten to know each other a little better, do you think having those guns pointed at us is completely necessary? Would your Colonel Ronson not be as vigilant? Yes. I'm sure he would be. You may notice that they're actually walking through the same corridors when they were leaving the ship as coming in. Well, that would make sense. They're going down the corridors in the same direction. All the lighting is rigged for filming in one direction. <laughs> That's why. They're spending a lot of money on sets, but there's only so much that they can do if you compare it to a theatrical set. Ooh, have the money to probably rip all the lighting down and redo it, whereas Stargate don't. Well, especially when you got a shit episode in, what, six days? I have been perceived publicly as being weak in matters of civic defence. As a result, Coffus has growing political support. Our arrival hasn't helped things much, has it? No. I only hope his mistrust does not interfere with your quest for the Stargate. I believe finding it would be a great discovery for our people. Please uh, excuse the state of my office. He's there, Daniel. A bit, yeah. Or the Da Vinci. That model airplane was actually lifted straight out of the art department. It wasn't built for it. They just took it and thought, oh, that looks good. We'll have that. I spent a, a lifetime collecting them. Relics from before my people turned their back on their god. To which god are you referring? Our creator, Horus. Only a few of us dare believe in him. Oh, dear. Ah, we've heard of him. Yes. You know him? Herer is not a god. He is a gold. He's the one who made us. The relics speak of him as the creator of all life. The one who spoke us into existence. More likely, he's the one who enslaved your ancestors and brought them here from Earth. Herer must have abandoned your people many years ago, when the resources he sought were depleted. Then the Tigrians must have tried to destroy all evidence of their former god as an act of defiance, including everything to do with the Stargate. Ah, they did not destroy everything. This remains. Herer. It had to be Herer, didn't it? Yeah, it couldn't be something you could pronounce easily. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. I'm quite happy to let you mangle it. <laughs> we can thank Hoffus for killing him, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. Aren't you, Mr. Perky Corrin? Ah, we see. They didn't destroy this. Now that's, what, 300 plus years old? My understanding of this language is extremely limited, but it appears to be an etching of something called a chap-eye. Chap-eye. Ah. Yeah, this text is a slight variation of pre-dynastic Egyptian. It's beautiful. This section right here says Heru's Stargate can be found uh, in a great desert to the north. Oh, it must mean the wastelands of Anhur. They lie far beyond the city. I've found many of my artifacts there. Really? Not bad for a bit of canvas. Great ink. I'll give him that. A new cartouche. Guys, we'd like to take a little field trip. 
I shouldn't be impressed by the document because it was printed by highly advanced technology 300 years ago. Yes. Well in advance of anything we've got even now. You know this is fiction, right? Yes, Alan, I know it's fiction. Just checking. But I'm pretty sure that in terms of this story, the system laws 200 years ago had better printing presses than 21st century Earth. True. Another world! Do you understand? And what's more, they seek our help. We do not even know their true intentions or what they can offer us. An exchange of knowledge and technology. The Stargate could open up the universe for our people. A universe of potential enemies. I demand that you reconsider. We cannot undo what has happened. He's not one happy chap, is he? Look, it's the iPad Crystal Edition. (laughs) Damien Kinlow couldn't keep his eyes off the couch in the background. Thought it was absolutely fantastic. And if he could afford it, he'd have bought one. I prefer to help. And I prefer to have them taken to the coordinates. Now, this is good. This is the leader of the planet and he's, well, maybe second or third in command. He's going for a military coup, I think. He's pushing that way. That's pretty much putting your guards on the table, isn't it? There's almost a vein throbbing in his forehead. <laughs> I love it. Don't they have scanners which can pick up Nacrida traces on the bloody ship? Maybe they'd go back into orbit to have them actually scan the planet. This is the Richmond Sand Dunes where they filmed all their desert scenes. I think they actually said this was the last time they filmed in this location because it was finally overtaken by development. It's a shame they couldn't find the DHD. It cleared the door a lot faster. It would have done, wouldn't it? Except for the fact that it's like our gate when Ra buried it or the slaves buried it after Ra left. No DHD? No, cover stones. Hmm. Which are close enough to the gate that actually won't produce a kaboosh. No kaboosh. Yes, like I say, they're convenient that the one little bit they dug up happened to be the bit they needed to read. Yes. It could have said this way up or something like that. <laughs> Fragile, do not bury in sand. Yes. <laughs> May contain nuts, <laughs> which I think is a joke I've done before. But <laughs> ring exists. Mm. Yeah, well done, lads. Jonas, Tilk, save the day again. What's up, T? I believe we have located the Stargate. Oh, dear. If they take off, your man's going to go ballistic. Possibly intercontinentally ballistic. We will require assistance to retrieve it. We'll talk to Ashwan. Nice job. And this is the scene Rob Cooper wants to do. Purely because they got to do it in the movie? Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> this is not big enough to be a Stargate. It does, actually, considering it is a Stargate. Jonas! It looks good, it looks intact. Well, better now. Yes. Well, you see, if it's got those cover stones on, they can't rotate. How did they... Considering they're in the middle of the desert, there's a lot of rocks and vegetation around. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's more of a tundra. And to be honest, that's not a very good set of binoculars. Looks like the lens is a bit skewy. Why do they bother? It's not a binocular, it's monocular. We have a winch. None of this balloon crap. That is nice. (laughs) It is nice. Just with the sun coming through it? Credit to Peter West, the DP, who's also directed episodes of Stargate. This was his... Is this the travel gate? I imagine so. So it's plastic. With all due respect, unless Nequita has a much lighter density than stone, there's no way that little winch would be able to lift that on its own. <laughs> well, 
Let's give it a shot. Now, does the DHT? Whoa! Who? George! Where did he come from? Ooh, ooh, that hurts your backside, yeah. doesn't it? I wonder if that took two or three ticks. Mm-hmm. Calvus, what are you doing? I'm taking back what belongs to my people. What are you doing here? Duh. That looks like solar power signaling device. Or a very large light. Oh, look, there's the train again. Calvus, <laughs> actions are outrageous. Tell him to stand down. I've done exactly that, Colonel. He refuses. He claims to be protecting Tagria's security. Have him arrested. Kalfas commands a great loyalty among many in the military. Challenging him would only lead to civil war. Sir, we could use the Prometheus. Her weapons would be more than a match for Kalfas's troops. There is still that nagging problem of all the guns pointed at it. I chose the commander of those gun batteries myself. He is loyal to me. Colonel, I give you my word. He will not fire upon your ship. Well, that's convenient. Mm. Clever as well. Yes. Jack's full of bright ideas. Yes. You don't have to worry about guns. We won't shoot at you. Go on, take off. We promise. So, it balloons, but they still have the Ziploc cable ties for people. How convenient. <laughs> Maybe they were wrong. Maybe it's time for you to stop being afraid of the past. No, it's not the past I'm concerned about. It's the future. Having assessed our strength, you would undoubtedly return with greater numbers. You have nothing to fear from the Tari. We just want to fix our ship. Our people can become friends. They can exchange knowledge, even trade. One of the beauties of this scene is that there's about 20 extras playing the part of the army guys, mm. and there's only one APC. Yes. But you'll notice that it crops up in virtually every shot. <laughs> so, does the beefcake get credit? Not officially. I haven't seen any listings, nothing in IMDb or wiki. So it's just random beef. Yes. They don't even give me any credit to the chairman's assistant who's been on screen quite a bit. No lines. But not a speaking part. And I'm going to trust the safety of my crew to his word? Yes. That's what you're going to do. You're a worrywart, Colonel. You're asking me to risk everyone on this ship. If that is so, Colonel Ronson, then I will be taking the same risk. You may launch your vessel when ready. You'll not be fired. And his assistant. And he's on the bridge. Ronson's really not happy about this. Major Gant? Sir. Fire up the sublet engines. Arm all available weapons and prepare to return fire. On my orders only. That will not be necessary. He said return fire. <laughs> well, at least he used the term return. And is there only one shift on this ship? She's very young to be a major. She is a bit, yeah. Let's hope the old man is right. But this is going to be a short ride. She was born in 1971. Ooh, same age as me. Yeah, so only about 30 when this was made then. That actually looked like it was going to clip that balloon there. It should have done, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no sign of weapon fire from the gun battery, sir. I think we're clear. Yeah, I think they noticed it had been shot at from that distance. Very well. Proceed to the coordinates at one-third thrust. Yes, sir. Yes, Mortos Jack. <laughs> the actual dampers are offline. I'm assuming the shields are providing an aerobraking degree. Because that ship does not look old, dear. <laughs> That's an anti-gravity type drive system. Because there's no visible thrusters or anything to keep it up there. No. 
what's the phrase? It hung there exactly like a gold brick doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't say gold, it just says brick. Yeah. Neuroidatic memory helps. Probably does. I ain't read the book in about 20 years. I have, which I transmit to you at some point to be like, Douglas actually reading the first book. Prometheus, hold your fire until my signal. Prometheus has your six SG-1. He doesn't even know where the gun parts are. Pretty damn sure it's got them, but <laughs> if nothing else, it can land on you. You've got to admire someone who's stubborn in the face of an alien warship. No, that's not stubborn, that's stupid. And realistically speaking, suicidal. Hold your positions. We cannot let him hand this device over to the aliens. And this is why Ashwin is the chairman and not head of security. Commander Carters. He's a good man. A cautious man. But he thinks, as our ancestors did, that it is better to control what we do not understand, to bury it so it cannot harm us. I, too, once thought as he does, but no longer. When he says it, I've now got Sting in this run New York ring through my head. Aliens, who Coffers fears so much, are not conquerors. They are long-lost brethren. They went to the seaside and nobody thought to bring a bucket. No, they brought a stargate instead. Look at it! Someone off camera selling ice cream. This is where we came from! We're talking over his big speech. This is the only reason he took this part, for this speech. Yes, I know, but like I said, it's an easy episode to commentate on. There's lots going on to talk about. And yet without our history, we cannot know who we are. Or what we may someday become. I will not make that same mistake. You didn't get a speech like this on Star Trek or Babylon 5. No. You're vast, dude. I'm relieving you of your command. You and your men will stand down. Yes, lock them up in a military <laughs> prison. Uh, the thing is, what they don't cover because Stargate's being fluffy is he's going to be taken away and shot. Lower your weapons! Well, to be honest, if you were the chairman, would you let him live? I actually think He's reasonably enough to actually give him a chance to redeem himself. I don't think he's that stupid. Oh, no, he take him into custody, but if this actual alliance works out, hmm. then perhaps you can convince him that's right all along. Nope, he'd constantly be plotting against you, have him shot. Better a dead martyr than a live rebel. Where they're taking him? Well, no, not where they're taking him. Probably right there and then, because they didn't yeah. seem to be taking him at any particular place. You're assuming that this isn't a democracy of some sort, and he's just not a plain civil servant, so they could fire him. We'll be back in a few days with some equipment to repair a ship. Until then, Colonel Ronson and his crew will be our honored guests. I hope you'll join us at a state dinner upon your return. Hey, thanks, Tarek. Oh, thank you. I hope you will soon return. There's much to learn about our history. Yeah, we can definitely help you out there, but I think you know more than most people on your planet. But feeling this guy's going to be getting a bigger office soon. Bother with a kawush. It's like you've had your kawush, you're not getting to. We'll just play the sound from off camera. <laughs> okay, a few little tidbits on the episode. Right at the end, when Prometheus hovered above the encampment, that effect was created by a crane with a basically a 20 by 20 foot canvas 
old school filmmaking. You'd admire that. And during the episode, Peter's wife, Anne-Marie Loder, who, if you recall, was in The Other Side as a Nazi, a space Nazi, she actually got them a balloonogram for this episode. This was actually, at the time, they wasn't sure if they were going to get renewed for a seventh season. And this would have been Peter's last episode of the franchise. Right then, that was Memento. I've got to admit, not overly fond of the episode. Kind fun. I think the character of Kalfus is a bit too two-dimensional. Ashwin, he's excellent. Robert Foxworth puts in a real good performance there. It's a pity this is one world that we never really visit again. We, well, we don't visit again at all. Been interesting to see how it turned out. Sorry, we've got 19 tweets since I last checked. <laughs> we do get to see Major Erin Grant and Colonel Ronson again. Uh, let's not say why, because I think I recall when we see them again. Okay, then. Save that for another day. The right, we're going through episodes. Mm, this is around 2015 or so. <laughs> Any relevant tweets? Going back to... Nope, um, back to your reply to Splatterson. You want to do the left leg in, left leg out? <laughs> Okay, that was Memento. Next week, the because I didn't even look at the transcript, this new headphones thing means I can actually hear enough of the dialogue, I don't need to bother reading it. Absolutely. It does mean I think my comments flow better, so I, I'm looking at the episode, I'm not flicking between episode and transcript, and you're going, oh, look at that, and me going, what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always was a little bit of a problem, especially when you started talking about something that happens in two minutes. <laughs> yes. Okay, next week's episode is entitled Prophecy. On a routine mission, SG-1 meet a civilian desperate to be freed from the clutches of a ghouled while John falls ill and is suspended for active duty. He's diagnosed with a brain tumour, which gives him the ability to glimpse the future. A future where SG-1 are walking into a trap. Where the hell did they pull that plot from? It's a little abrupt, isn't it? It's like... It seems a bit extreme for Stargate, but given what we know, Jonas's future, perhaps. Yeah, it's like, oh crap, at this point I'm sure they were thinking, yeah, we know Daniel's coming back, so let's give him a brain tumour. <laughs> <laughs> that's right we can kill him off and maybe fans saw the episode right no yeah we've just begun to like him how dare you take him off probably the same fans were screaming bring Daniel back and it's like probably leave Jonas yes. here like change bad on the subject of change if you'd like to give feedback you can do so via the methods described here the Gatecast website can be found at gatecast.facecast.com and has its own feedback and contact form links to episodes not on the current RSS feed can be found there as well our Facebook and Google Plus groups are listed under The Gatecast, and our Twitter feed goes by The Gatecast, which is one word. We are also listed on the Blueberry service as The Gatecast, one word, and Cast Roller as The Gatecast. You can also be found on iTunes, and that's one portal where any comments and reviews would be most welcome. Finally, our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com, and even with today's social media network deluge, it's still the most basic and reliable method of contacting us. If you want to be a bit more adventurous than recording an audio file, MP3 preferable, but it doesn't really matter, and email it to us. It's a great way to interact with us and the rest of the listeners. It also helps when we hear how to pronounce somebody's name. So feel free to send us feedback and any other type of comment about the Stargate franchise, or our own small part of this fandom. Links and pictures are all part of the love of SG-1, SGA and Universe. Retweets, shares and plus ones are always appreciated. One universe, one people, the journey never ends. Stargate forever. We'd like to thank the production staff. I like me. <laughs> um, I feel like one of the movie moguls, written, produced, <laughs> directed by, from an idea by. <laughs> well, te- actually, no. I, I can get the from an idea by, if you don't mind. Well, even Scott still gets a credit. We tried to record with Scott last week. We really did. But he was called into work at the last minute. 
today, which is Tuesday, March 27th, it is Scott's birthday. So belated in several Saturdays. Happy birthday to Scott. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Stargate birthdays for the week commencing April the 22nd. On April the 23rd, Alex Ferris, who played Andy Spencer on the SG-1 episode Citizen Joe, has his birthday. April the 24th, we have three birthdays. Neil Shell, who played Mr. Crandall in Mobius Part 1. Jimon Honsu, who was a Horus Guard in the original Stargate movie. And Noah Danby, who played Chara in four episodes of Stargate. April the 25th sees Tiffany Timms celebrate her birthday. She was a blonde girl in the Stargate SG-1 episode Bounty. April the 29th, Bruce Harwood, who played Dr. Osborne in Frozen, celebrates his birthday. And finally, also on the 29th, April Tellek, who played Salis in two episodes of SG-1, Origin and Avalon Part 2. Those were the birthdays this week, and no doubt there'll be more to come next week. See you then. Dial the gate. On the next Stargate SG-1... Charles. He's been given the power to see the future. So you're seeing things before they happen. He could change history... Imagine if we could know in advance when and where the next gold attack would come from. At the risk of mortality. If we don't get you into surgery right now, you could die. I need just a little more time. But he vows to save his crew. You have to scrub the mission. Why? Major Carter gets hurt. I saw it. Protect Stargate Command. I need to talk to General Hammond. Now! Or die trying. Jonas! Richard Dean Anderson stars. On the next Stargate SG-1. Gabrielle Ott posted, just rewatch SGA in English language, and I understand the most. Cool. I'm sensing Gabrielle's not English as the first language. German, I believe she is. Yes. You forget that there's millions of fans out there who haven't watched the series in their native language. So we've got different voices and whatnot. Hmm? <laughs> Scribbles. <laughs> you doing the etching? <laughs> no, I was just rubbing the top of the headphone. It's amazing how conducted this thing is. And my friend Paul Barlow in New Zealand seems to think John Royce Davies has shrunk. We saw him in that. What was he in? He was Gimli. Well, yeah, yeah. if, if you look at him like that, yeah. But he was in a, an episode of something, wasn't he? Last month or something. Lost a lot of weight. Paul says the guy's stated height on IMDb was taller than him and the guy seemed shorter than him now. Mm, yeah. So, Total Recall 2012, is it a reboot or is it a kick-off for the TV show? Well, it looks like the movie. Oh, come on. What did they do? Matt, a younger version of Arnold's face over him? Damn, that buffered really quickly. Should be interesting without the cheesy... Oh, that looks pretty. Actually looks a bit like Kate Beckinsale. And that looks a lot like Blade Runner. It looks like a lot of other films, did it? It looks like a weird combination of Blade Runner and The Fifth Element. But, I mean, did you actually watch Total Recall 2047? Uh, the TV series? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't Total Recall. It is... Oh, it is Kate Beckinsale. Ooh, and now I'm really impressed. Brian Cranston as well. Bill Nighy, Ethan Hawke. Bill Nighy went... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Bill Nighy was in the Hitchhiker's movie. He was, yeah. I don't think he forgave himself. I was at the Irish premiere. Introduced (laughs) it. He looked looked deeply embarrassed. (laughs) He was introduced and he was trying to get excited. I'm thinking, this is going to be so awful. Total Recall 2047 was not Total Recall. Total Recall was Ridley Scott and Phil K. Dick if he was still at the time, refused to sign off on it. It's Blade Runner. You know, it's a replicant and everything. But it is a beautifully, beautifully shot show and it's just wonderful dystopian. Come try ya! 
Okay then, folks, that was Memento. Thanks for listening to us, and we'll be returning next week. Take care, everybody. Indeed we will. Farewell. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike, and Scott. Visit us at gatecast.facecast.com. Thank you.